ESPN The Far Post podcast. We are back for another week. Not going to lie to you, mates, these midweek kickoffs, they're really mucking with our schedule. So we know we are coming to you later in the week, but hopefully with fewer midweek games, we can get uh, to you a little bit earlier in the week uh, as we move through the season. But to be fair, the the games that we have had since we last spoke, four. Very, very good. Very, very exciting. Plenty to talk about. So obviously, we've got some things to chat about. But before we get into all of the goodness, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's ep, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, Angela Christian-Wilkes, and Sam Lewis. So like I said, friends, lots to talk about. We got spice, we got chaos, we've got Olympicos. Like, there's just so much to love. So let's start off with some you love to see it. Angela, what did you love to see this weekend? I loved pretty much all of Cambria United's goals in their 5-1 win over Newcastle. Um, so this was actually really hard to pick, but I have to say, I think my favorite was definitely Ellie Brush scoring with a bounce. Um, sensational free kick in for Milivojevic from Milivojevic, um, who also then scored the same goal pretty much um, later on in the game. And yeah, it, it was good times, but yeah. And also, yeah. So Ellie Brush defender scoring, my dad's favorite player. It was great. Great to see. And um, her celebration was really cute as well. She did a little, you know, baby cradle for her son, Leo. So yeah, loved that. But also shout out to Cheng Shu Wu for scoring with her face first game back. <laughs> just excellent. Not just her face, but her, her broken face her broken as well. Face. Wearing a face guard even. Yeah. At what point is it bad luck? Or just her. I don't I don't know. Anyway, and then um although there was a time when I got Falcon like three times in three days, so it's, it, it it can just be the luck of the draw in terms of getting smacked in the face. Um and then yeah, Nikki Flannery played a hand in like three of those goals as well, which I, I love to say. She had a fantastic game. So all of that, I've just given you a rundown of the entire match. I love to see it. I really I really did love to see it. Truly unsurprising that you noted Canberra United enough. Love to see five Canberra United goals. <laughs> um, I'm going to go next because I had some things that I loved to see. A uh, friend of the pod, Sophie Lawson, messaged me this morning. She said, Marissa, there's been an Olympico. And I'm like, hell yeah, there's been an Olympico. So Jody Hutton for Bristol in the Conti Cup uh, game against Lewis FC a beautiful Olympico, an absolutely stunning Olympico. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Nothing fills me with more joy or makes Twitter a more bearable place than all of you tagging me in Olympicos. Um, so well done to Jodie Hudden. Well done to Sophie Lawson for thinking of me and sending it to me. I absolutely love to see it. But my second you love to see it for this whole week was um, for starters, having midweek international football at a good time for Australia. Absolutely love to see that. We had the Ferns taking on the US women's national team uh, midweek. Rose Lavelle's assist for Alex Morgan's goal. Perfection. Delicious. Would put it on a platter, smother it in some butter sauce. Just divine. So, so good. She continues to be like just begrudgingly good. Like for 
any like little animosity you kind of feel towards Yanks, you then watch Rose Lavelle play football and you're like, I can't hate you. You're good. You're really, really good. So her back heel assist was just perfection. I've been watching the gif on Twitter just over and over and over again because it was so beautiful. So Rose Lavelle's back heel assist, you love to see it. Sam, what did you love to see this week? Yeah, that back heel, like I screamed. I screamed alone in my empty house for a long time too. You know, like one of those moments where you sort of let out the noise and it's really, it comes from some primal place deep inside of you and you can't quite help it. Anyway, my You Love to See It This Week is also a goal. It's also an unusual goal. It was Amy Harrison's winner against Western United, not just because it was a goal to Amy Harrison, who we love to see back in the league, but because it was a goal scored by an indirect free kick after a pass back. How many times have y'all listening to this taken part in an indirect free kick routine right up near to, near to a goal, whether in outdoor, whether in futsal, whether in anything, and you just absolutely lace it and it just pings off some random shin and it goes somewhere else. How often does it actually go into the net? Very, very rarely. So to see an indirect free kick where another person has to step on the ball before you take the shot and for it to go into the net and for it to, like, just in that way, in that manner, against that kind of opponent, when all the Western United players were stacked up like a wall at the front post. Oh, my God. It was so much fun. I'm so – we'll talk about the game in a second, but that goal for Amy Harrison, an indirect free kick after a pass back. Oh, my God. You love to see it. It was truly – Chaos. The Chaos League absolutely living up to its name. But you're right, we do need to talk about that result. So it was Western Sydney Wanderers 2, Western United 1. The streak came to an end for Western United and the Wanderers have just shown that they are doing the thing. They are looking the goods. Um, Angela, you described or you predicted basically that uh, Western United wouldn't remain undefeated and it would be some, quote, fucky results. So how good are you feeling about yourself uh, for absolutely nailing the call? Oh, I'm feeling spectacular. I felt like Mort. I, I don't know. I always reference Mort. <laughs> The, the the little fluffy thing from Madagascar where he's like, I like them first, I like them before you ever... I was like, I predicted this result. I, I, I thought it was going to be a fucking result. I predicted it. Anyway, to be fair, and I think it's also funny that, like, now I feel like it was, like, Western, um, Western Sydney, sorry, uh, heard that we said, all four of us said that they would get the wooden spoon and they were like, and I took that personally. Like, they are... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not I but the great thing about the result as well. Um I mean, and to be fair, the indirect free kick, that is I feel like the most fucky of goals that you could possibly get, right? Yes. <laughs> so there's just I'm I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. Um but I was going to say, yeah, in terms of the actual game itself as well. It wasn't just luck that fell for Western Sydney. I mean, the the pass back was an error that doesn't often happen may have been a bit of a brain fart there but overall like a fantastic game from then so yeah a, a fucky result but also a really good result and a good good performance from them yeah it sorry was mickey mouse wild, wasn't it sorry i mean mickey mouse i think at this point has got massive muffs that he's putting over his ears every time we've put an episode out you know like we're, we're, <laughs> 
we've, we're well past beyond the, the, the point where beyond the point of no return. Um, yeah, it was, it was wild. It wasn't just a sort of a jammy kind of result. I don't think from the Wanderers, this was sort of building. We saw it in the game against Melbourne city. And I think the big, you know, we spoke about this last episode as well. Serena Bolden has absolutely like changed this team in the same way that Cote Rojas changed Melbourne city when she was playing and probably when she returns as well by having that kind of focal point. And I think where Kat Smith was really smart was uh, pairing Serena Bolden with Sophie Harding. I haven't seen Sophie Harding play as well as she did in that game, particularly the first sort of 25, 30 minutes as she did against Western United. That was unbelievable. Um, she And she she was used exactly in the way that she should be used as well. She was used in a way that Newcastle tried to use her, but they didn't quite have, I think, the uh, strike partnership or the speed up front that Bolden offers uh, Harding in, in that kind of counter-attacking way. So again and again, she was just getting in around the outside and in between the fullback and the centre-back and was constantly getting on the ball and those long balls, cutting it back across. Um, and she probably should have had a goal herself. There was a moment, I think, where she just like leapt onto a ball and was racing towards the top of the box and she just had the goalkeeper to beat. But for some reason, like she could have taken an extra touch into the box and just slotted it either side, but she took the shot from like just at near the D. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, give yourself at least another another metre. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But she was fantastic. And I think it's – and we talked about it last week as well. I think this is um, – it's the it was a game of confidence. It showed this team believes in themselves now that they the players sort of know the roles that they play with each other. They know the uh, combinations that they've got. They know uh, what their strengths are. Um, and Smith is is Cat uh, Smith is really sort of laying down. I think the the system and the style that she has wanting been wanting them to play for a while. It's just taken a couple of games um, and a couple of hard lessons, I think, to learn that. All the yeah, all the players were were tremendous. Um, and I continue to be really, really impressed by Bethany Gordon. That's another player who sort of just like popped up from nowhere out of MPL land. You're like, huh, you should have been playing this league for a long time. You know, what's been going on? Um, yeah, I thought it was great. And it's a it's it's the kind of result that you want. You want to, you don't want, you don't want another Melbourne City 2015-16. You don't want the, the team to just run away with it and be undefeated and whatever. You want spice. You want there to always be the 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 threat. You want there to always be jeopardy. And so for this kind of result to happen and for the Wanderers to do it as well, because like now all the games that the Wanderers have against teams above them on the ladder are going to have this element of intrigue to them because the Wanderers have shown that they can beat the top two. So now who's to say they can't beat everyone else? You know, it's mad. This is what we want. The Wanderers are ninth at the moment. How high can we see them kind of climbing up the ladder? I mean, I reckon they can keep going. I reckon mm. they can keep going with this kind of momentum. Um, if they keep Bolden fit and if she's able to start scoring more and more goals if she's able to be a consistent goal scorer like a goal a game type of player I reckon they could pretty easily move past a you know they could like a Canberra they could move past a Perth they can move past an Adelaide you know they've teams who would usually be in and around sort of number five number four number five on the ladder towards the back end of the season I can see them overtaking teams like that 
um, it's it's just about continuing to to keep the same lineup together. I think that's the big thing. It's, it's chemistry and it's this this starting eleven, understanding each other now, um, and building on what their strengths are. So. Yeah, God, who knows? Who knows how far they can go? I hope they get into the top four because wouldn't that be such a story? That just would be truly unbelievable. Sorry, Angela, but that would be, like, I would not believe it even if I saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> I mean, stranger things have happened in this league, I think. Um, I was just trying to do maths. It didn't work well for me. Um, but I reckon... Mm, I don't. I, I guess we have to take this into consideration. Then they did draw with victory afterwards, so I'm not. I'm not sure, but I think this is. I don't see them slipping back into where they were at the start of the season. So I'd say I, I see them rising to like they could get to sixth, fifth. I'm not sure they'll make finals. Um, I feel like the competition at the top at the moment and like there's other teams that are really contesting for that but in saying that if Adelaide continued to be bad I'd, who knows who knows there's just the permutation I was thinking about this I'm like is it too early to do permutations yes absolutely but it's it's within the realm of possibility but I don't think so sorry that was a really garbled response my answer is like top mid table but like <laughs> d- second mm. quarter Second, do we know what was, do you know, like top half, but the bottom half of the top half. Yeah. Yep. That's, um, yes, that's clear. Yep. That's quick maths for you, folks. We're doing fractions now. Look out, everyone. (laughs) Um, obviously that was the funnest result of the weekend. Uh, Western United fans don't agree with me, but that's okay. That was the funnest result of the weekend, but it wasn't the only game that we saw. So quick recap of the games that we did have. Canberra, as Angela described, five goals past Newcastle. The tallest woman in Newcastle pegged one back, but Canberra won 5-1 over the Jets, which was bananas. We had a pair of 1-1 draws. It was Brisbane and Adelaide drawing 1-1 and then City and Victory sharing the spoils in the Melbourne derby. Uh, Perth v Wellington was very spicy. There were two goals to Perth and two red cards, one to each team. So obviously we will be talking about that. And then the midweek game that we had yesterday was the Wanderers and Victory uh, playing out a scoreless draw. So let's get into some Rondo questions based on what we have just seen. And it would be remiss of us to not start with those red cards and that spicy, spicy game between the Glory and the Knicks. So the questions are, of course, about the red cards because, you know, sometimes they are controversial, controversial rather. Um, but the question is, was the ref correct in her decisions to award red cards to both Rolston and Mastro Antonio? And then we've obviously gotten their punishments dished out as well. Were those punishments correct? Yes and yes, I think so. I think the ref handled it really, really well. Um, I... It was interesting watching uh, some of the conversation around the the punishments from the match review panel um, in that Ella Mastro Antonio got a three-match suspension, but uh, Emma Rolston got two. Uh, I think that that's correct, though, because when you re-watch the footage, <laughs> you can't grab a player around the neck. What are you doing? You know, it's, it's, it's violent conduct. And uh, according to the rules, you know, a, a straight red card for violent conduct it comes with that kind of 
suspension. Like that's you you know you know that as a player, especially someone like Master Tony has been around this league for such a long time. I am, and I mentioned this briefly pre-pod. I am kind of glad this happened because, like, I do not condone violence in any way. I'm say that up front. But this particular fixture, Wellington against Perth, didn't really have anything to it. You know what I mean? Like in the men's league, it was sort of, it's the distance derby. The whole shtick is that it's the longest, I think one of the longest distances that any two teams have to cover in the world to play one another. And like, that's cute. But you sort of, in the women's, you kind of want something a little bit different sometimes. So you can have your distance derby. But now that this fight has happened, it's kind of like a dust-up derby as well. Like both of these teams are going to hate each other for who knows how long because of this moment. And that gives this fixture some spice. It gives it some something else to play for. It's not just three points anymore. It's three points and like a little bit of like, yeah, fuck you, you know, like this is revenge, you know, for what's just happened. So I think that's really fun. Um, the whole, yeah, the whole situation itself was like, oh, not, not very savory for a family environment. But at the same time, you're kind of like, yeah, but sometimes people are assholes and sometimes assholes play football and they take out their anger on each other on the field. Um, and sometimes that can be good for the overall product. I don't know, because here we are sitting and talking about it. I don't know. I don't know how you all feel. Tell me, what are your thoughts? I thought, well, it's very entertaining and the aftermath has kind of been entertaining as well. You can't um, disregard the fact that this stuff draws eyes to the game. And I mean, in saying all this, I feel like I shouldn't need to put this disclaimer on, but obviously not comparable to the stuff that's happened recently in the A-League men's. It was a whole other kettle of fish. But when no. you've got a little bit of argy-bargy, yes. Um, a little, little bit, bit of argy bargy. A little bit of argy bargy. Yeah, no one got hurt as well. I think that's important to note. So I feel like it, yep. that makes me feel better to have a bit of a giggle about it. Part of me is conflicted because I, I'm watching it and then I'm like, is this gendered? Am I just finding this more entertaining because it's women and like women aren't expected or it's it's not as socially expected? acceptable for women to be a bit argy bargy but then I remembered that I watched mm. like that A-League memes compilation the not A-League memes the the guy on YouTube Marissa Sam do you know who I'm talking about there it's are like so that, many of those no. <laughs> that man on YouTube you know um he did the, <laughs> the top 50 A-League men's moments and it's just like the most ridiculous oh okay thing. okay j.com or something j anyway Listeners may know what I'm talking about. Doesn't anyway, matter. I was One at the pub the other night, like watching that with um friend of the pod, Tom, and having a great time. And it's filled with moments like this, but in the A-League men's. So I feel fine. It's right. feminist. It's actually, actually now I've changed. It's feminist. Uh-huh. To um really engage with these kinds of moments in the A-League um, women. So, um, wow, that was, that was a process. Um, in terms of your actual question, Marissa, yeah, I think it was correct. Initially, I was like, oh, maybe like just a one match ban um, for Elizabeth Rolston. But then I rewatched and I saw that she did, there was a push and then there was, yeah, the the head contact from Ella Mastro Antonio. So with that in mind, it, it yeah, it seems pretty fair. And I think, yeah, the ref did great. Um, 
in terms of diffusing the situation and making sure that she was making the right call mm. and kind of stepping away from it um, and getting, I think she was getting a second opinion and then going back. Um, yeah. So yep. all, all, all made sense. Also, two, the, the, two the, uh, the video from Lisa Devanna as well, sitting down. <laughs> with, uh, if anyone has to say that, we'll link it hopefully on our socials. The Lisa Devanna posted a video sitting down with Ella Mastro Antonio having breakfast or something, I assume, and making fun of her basically for, uh, for getting the red card, which, you know, is a bit pot kettle when you're talking about Lisa Devanna, but um, it's gets banter. It's good content. Who cares? I, th- I think that was part of it. She was like, it's not me this time. Oh, look at you. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh because I absolutely like felt like Ella Mastri Antonio in that moment. Like, I don't want to deal with you right now and you're recording me <laughs> while like rubbing shit in my face. Like I just, I related to it so much. And I also realized just, so like I said, I was watching the incident back and I messaged you guys in the pod chat and I said, where the hell does Element Master Antonio get off like looking shocked um, after yeah. Ralston pushes her? And then I was thinking about it and I'm like, I would absolutely do the same thing if I had kicked someone and then pulled them by their neck and then they had the audacity to push me back. Like, <laughs> excuse you? Um, so I learned that about myself that um, – I would have reacted the exact same way, even though I was like, who does she think, she, like, what is she complaining about? What is she protesting about? It reminds me so much of the, the speaking of the Melbourne Derby pitch invasion of like the fans throwing flares onto the field. But all of a sudden when Thomas Glover throws a flare back, they're like, hang on, no, 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 no. That's just for us. And then they storm the field. That's their reaction to Tom Glover throwing it back towards them. It's like, all right, one set of rules for one person, one set of rules for another, I guess. It's like that meme, meme girls bit. Where it's like I don't, maybe it's not actually. So you admit that you're pretty, like that that moment. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I don't know if I could make that into a meme to be more accessible, but um, anyway, we we can try. We've made dumber memes. Um, but yes, I think Absolutely. the general consensus, both the ref and the punishments dished out, good, fair. Yep. We play on. Can't wait for the next game between these two to see if that rivalry has kind of thank you Angela 18th of March we will all be tuning in with you know added interest but let's move on to our next question so uh, Melbourne Victory played a couple of times this week they had the midweek game Rika Madsen just can't buy a goal she's been fantastic but she cannot seemingly buy a goal they come up against Adelaide United uh, this weekend and they've been a little bit how are you going? We've spoken enough about them. But my question is basically, will Rika Madsen break her duck against Adelaide United this weekend? Mm. Yes. Manifestation. Yes. I feel like, yeah, it has to be coming. Like, I feel like that was some bad luck in there for her um, and not for a lack of trying. Um, and she's been, I think for the most part, yeah, a really great addition for victory, especially in kind of the context that they're in. They seem to be having another injury, like what's the opposite of a drought? Flood, <laughs> injury, flood. And yeah, so yes, that is my final answer. Yeah, and it, like it always takes new players a bit of time 
to figure this stuff out. Like I remember Fiona words took a little, well, just a little bit of time just to figure out like how to shoot a ball in Australia, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's just what happens. But I think that by necessity, they're, they're probably going to have to, yeah. Well, Mazden is going to have to try and be a little bit more clinical, I think, going forward. Let's move on to another question. So obviously Angela was pumping up Canberra and rightly so, but my question is, uh, Vesna Milivojevic, Nikki Flannery, Michelle Heyman have been phenomenal in combination. Are they the best attacking trio in the league right now? Oh, that is a great question. I would say no um, because I think Western United, Sydney and City are probably a little bit more um, prolific, maybe. Um, but in saying that, Canberra have scored 15 goals. So, and a lot of those have come through those front three. I think Flannery needs to score a couple more, but we always say that about Nikki Flannery, don't we? Apart from that one season where she was sort of in and around maybe golden boot conversations. Um, uh, it's they're just, they're just a really good combo of players they combine really well together they assist one another quite regularly almost every game um and now that Flannery she said after that win over Newcastle that that was sort of the first game where she really feels like herself again which is awesome because how good was she you know and this is the if this is the form that she is in and and she's just starting to feel like this can you imagine what she's going to be like when she's absolutely flying um that's a bit of a scary thought but no I do I do think that they're up there in, in terms of that conversation. I, I reckon probably Sydney um, have a have a better front three on paper, even though Courtney Vine at the moment is not like not really hitting the straps and we know what she can do because she's done it for the past two seasons. But Princess Sabini and Madison Haley have both been sensational, particularly together, considering how little time they've had to work together. So I think that front three is quite good. Um, and when Cote Rojas comes back, I feel like the front three of Melbourne City is also pretty awesome. Western don't always play with the front three. They're sort of a little bit interchangeable, particularly on the left, but I I think that they, they are still a bit more convincing maybe than what Canberra are. Maybe because they've been a little bit more consistent than what Canberra have been in the front in the final third with the front three. I don't know, but it's a good conversation to have. Mm. Yeah, I would say in terms of chemistry, um, Milivojevic, I did it first go. Uh, Flannery and Heyman, they they seem to, I would say as a trio, they seem the most connected and in tune with how one another plays at this point in time. Um, I'm kind of excited, though, to see how Perth progress because I think there's like little sparks there at the moment and I really am enjoying seeing how like Lowry is combining with Hinson in particular um and I don't know who the third person would be in that group maybe Susan Fontam can like I feel like they've got a little bit of develop like further to go um and even though Basin was fantastic it is an kind of interesting to see her being this game, her not being able to play because she's done an ACL RIP. Many apologies, that sucks. Um, but how this Perth attacking line will uh, develop and, and and go. Anyway, that was again another garbled sentence. Um, 
And Sydney, yeah, Sydney have, I would say probably, like you said, Sam, a lot of quality, but just not gelling as much. Like Madison Haley has such, she just the individual brilliance on so many of her goals is like fantastic. But then, um, yeah, Vine, like, I don't think is combining as well this season. So yeah, I, I would say Canberra probably have it in the bag at this point in time. Um, but that does it like for Western United, I think oh, as a whole, they're the most, um, the team with the best chemistry across the park between each other. And they've got like a really connected midfield. Yeah. So it's not just about the, the forwards, but yeah, we'll see. Um, and of course I'm a Canberra enough. So I'm going to say that like, I enjoy the vibes. <laughs> I admit the framing of the question obviously is geared towards a front three. So, like, if it was a question about who's the best kind of number nine in the league at the moment, then obviously you've got Haley, Kane, Heyman, all of these people come into the conversation. Um, but I was thinking about it very much in the sense of the kind of archetypal Sydney FC front three. The you know for the last couple of seasons it has been Vine, Abini, Seamson, and it just seems that at the moment Milivojevic, Flannery, and Heyman are doing that because everyone's firing yeah. in the ways they're meant to. Maybe Nikki Flannery isn't scoring as many goals as we would like her to, but she's teeing them up or being yeah. like producing the secondary assist constantly where you know we've pointed out that vine we know she's a great player but we just aren't seeing it so far this season so that was it was a very pointed question for uh who rings the home phone who has a home phone <laughs> who has a home phone anymore well what is this enough. the 50s uh, it's not yeah. okay so, so yes that should, <laughs> that should tell you everything you need to know anyway um yeah, so I admit that the framing of my question was uh, particularly pointed, but I do stand by that I do think Canberra currently are the, the best front three in the league. Uh, let's move on, because of time, to a boot, because uh, uh, Leon are known for winning trophies and doing things, but they have produced a Leon-sized boot uh, this week. So, Sam, I'm going to leave you to to boot Leon. Oh gosh. So Olympic Leon, for those who for some reason listen to a women's football podcast and don't know who they are, Olympic Leon are one of the biggest, most successful uh, women's football clubs in the world. They have been so for a very, very long time. They've been absolute trailblazers in lots of different ways, um, especially off the field when it comes to supporting their players, when it comes to salaries, when it comes to facilities, when it comes to access to staff, when it comes to resourcing, when it comes to travel, when it comes to all the stuff that we talk about when we talk about professionalising the women's game, Leon were there first. They did it first, which is what makes this situation so infuriating. So earlier this week, a former Leon player, Sarah Bjork Gunnarsdottir, who is an Icelandic national team player, she captained Iceland at the Women's Euros. She, when she was employed by Olympic Leon in the 2020 to 2022 sort of area, uh, fell pregnant. She fell pregnant with her partner. Uh, it was apparently not planned, um, but it was something that she'd always wanted to do. Uh, she was thrilled about it, um, but then she rapidly uh, was sort of consumed by anxiety because she was not sure 
what was going to happen in terms of the reaction from the club. It was the first time that a player from Lyon had fallen pregnant while under contract. Um, and so there was no precedent that had been set in terms of what to do or how the club was going to respond. She assumed that she was going to be fine, that all things would be great. And why would you think anything else? This is a club that has been leading the way in terms of supporting women athletes off the field for years and years and years. She had no reason to suspect anything would go wrong. So she told the doctors, she told the physios, she trained a little bit more, um, then ended up having to tell everyone else when it became clear that she was not able to participate in training in games the way that she had done previously. So what she wanted to do was she wanted to fly back to Iceland um, for the remainder of her pregnancy. She wanted to be close to friends and family, understandably. Um, she wanted to be in a place that spoke her own language. She wanted to be close to her partner. You know, she wanted the comforts of home. You know, who could blame her? So she went to the club. She went to the directors and the director was like, yep, fine. Sounds good. They organized all the paperwork, all the insurance. And then she went back to Iceland. She expected over the course of the rest of her contract, as is stipulated under FIFA's new maternity policy regulations, that she would be paid a certain amount for the remainder of her pregnancy. So under FIFA rules, which were introduced in January of 2021, um, so before she fell pregnant, um, clubs, uh, professional clubs have uh, are mandated under FIFA rules to pay a player uh, three quarters, I think it is, of their salary um, for the remainder of the, the pregnancy period and to provide them with ongoing support after they've given birth. So she goes back to Iceland um, and a month goes by and she checks her bank account and she realises that she hasn't been paid the amount of money that she is owed under these new FIFA regulations. She's like, oh, that's weird, but, you know, maybe it's just an irregularity, maybe something was missed. She asked a couple of teammates, no, no, they all got their payments just fine. She's like, oh, okay, right, well, I don't know what's going on. I'll just sort of see if it happens next time. Another month goes by, same deal. She's not paid the, same, the amount of money that she's owed. So she's like, all right, gets in touch with the club. She's like, what's going on? You know, I'm, I'm owed this amount of money under the, under my contract. Um, I don't really want to be stressing about this while I'm, you know, pregnant. Um, and COVID is rampaging around as well. So I'm kind of nervous about that too. Can you sort of let me know what's going on? They absolutely blank her. They don't reply. Um, a couple more months go by, same thing continues to happen. Uh, and she's like, all right, well, this is not good enough. So she goes to FIFPRO, the Global Players Union, and says, this is my situation. Um, according to FIFA regulations, I'm owed this much money. Leon are not paying for it. Uh, FIFPRO and Sarah go back to the club and say, if you don't sort this out, if you don't back pay me basically what I'm owed, we're going to take this to FIFA and FIFA are going to have to sort it out. So Leon's response to that is if Sarah goes to FIFA, she is not going to be part of the club anymore. So she threatened, they threaten her basically with expulsion from the club, which is a big no-no, especially when you're dealing with a global player union. So over the last year or so, um, there's been this big fight that's been happening behind the scenes between FIFPRO and Sarah Gunnestotia and, uh, and Leon, Olympic Leon, about what has happened here. So Leon's perspective was that, I'm sorry that I'm rambling, but this is all, this is the story. Leon's perspective is that they didn't owe her what FIFA was telling um, 
them that they owed her because according to French law, French civil law, which has a very different set of maternity policy rules compared to FIFA, they were a court, they were abiding by those kinds of civil laws. That was their reference point. Um, FIFA disagreed. And that is a, a big part of the reason why the ultimate ruling in Sarah's favour is so important because FIFA have overruled domestic civil laws when it comes to maternity policies. That's a really huge deal because clubs all around the world often cite their domestic regulations for why they're not abiding by certain policies handed down by FIFA or by any other footballing bodies. But this is the first time that they've actually overruled like the, the law of the land that, that a club is operating in. So that sets a really, really big precedent. Anyway, fast forward. Um, earlier this week, uh, FIFA and FIFA Pro announced that Sarah had won her case. She had successfully sued Leon for back pay. Um, and Leon have, uh, they have 45 days, I believe, to pay back all of the money that they owe her, that they hadn't paid her under FIFA's maternity policy. And if they don't do that, FIFA are going to punish Leon potentially with a transfer ban for the next three windows, which is a huge deal. I don't know if that just counts for the women's um, transfer window or also the men's, but it's a it's a really big punishment and it shows that FIFA are pretty serious about using um, their muscle to clamp down on something that actually helps women footballers. So Sarah, her story is incredible. Um, sounds really, really difficult emotionally, really traumatic. You don't want to have to go through that kind of stress when you're trying to grow with human inside of you. Um, but the fact that she has, has done this, that she has won and that FIFA has stood alongside her in, uh, in, in, coming to a club and saying you are treating me poorly because I'm a pregnant person is a huge deal. And it means that now for the first time, pregnant footballers all around the world have a global framework of support that they know they can reference if they feel like they are being treated unfairly. And Sarah gave all these different examples in a piece that she wrote for the Player's Voice about how when she returned back from her pregnancy after she'd had her child, she was treated differently um, she was made to feel like um, she was outsider, that her, having a baby was a burden, all this sort of stuff that new mothers often experience, not just in the context of sport, but in the context of the rest of the world as well. So having, um, having this win, having these legal um, parameters and being able to share this story is, is like, it's monumental how huge a deal this is. And it gives um, validation and clearance and support to so many footballers who have maybe thought about wanting to have children, but have always hesitated because of their relationship with their clubs or thinking that something is going to happen in terms of their contracts or in terms of the way that they've been treated, all that sort of stuff, all the pressures that people in these moments often experience when it comes to thinking about pregnancy a lot of that stuff now has sort of been not cleared away, but there's there's at least a path forward and people know that they can turn to FIFA and to cite these regulations and this case in particular as precedent for why they want to push forward with whatever decisions that they're making. So this is around away. This is also my my how good because Sarah winning the case is a massive, massive how good and it comes off the back of a huge fucking boot to Olympic Leon, who should have known so much better because they're a club who has meant to be supporting women athletes off the field for a long time. They can afford to pay 
the kinds of salary requirements that her policy was was asking for. They just won the bloody Champions League. Like they had money, it was fine. It wasn't an issue for them. The fact that they didn't do it is pretty egregious and it's it's pretty shitty. So big boot to Leon, big how good to Sarah. It's it's so good and you know it's the kind of thing that obviously uh pregnancy policies and maternity policies have been like decades worth of decades worth of work has gone into them so many players have had to fight and not get results go their way so the fact that there's a kind of continual building of positive cases that allow players to be mothers and footballers in the best possible environment it's only a positive thing so yeah it's huge kudos to to sarah for fighting for what was right and ultimately being vindicated in that decision Um, you know, it was interesting as well seeing obviously lots of players were very supportive of Sarah. There was, you know, Gabby Garten who, you know, uh, Melbourne Victory goalkeeper had her son was, you know, obviously we're right behind you. Katrina Gorey was posting about it a lot as well and saying, I'm so lucky that every kind of club and national team environment I've dealt with has been nothing but supportive of me and Harper. So obviously it's positive that, you know, Australian football seems to be doing right by our players who are are mothers but it's something that needs to be done globally so yeah it's a massive how good uh one last how good unless Angela do you have a how good yeah I have a very quick one uh the Welsh national teams they have pay parity which is great um and they join i looked it up so i sound smart actually now i don't sound smart because i admitted that but anyway they join quite a short list of team like not teams national um teams that are doing the same thing so we've got us england brazil australia norway and new zealand um but yeah it's fantastic it's another kind of i guess incremental push to seeing this as a normal thing um part of it also involves the men's team taking a 25 percent Um, pay cut in order for the women to have an increase Um, I think it's I don't have the maths on hand but you would presume that for men competing professionally um, their income from their national teams is going to be a smaller portion it's going to have less of an impact than that for um, women competing for their national teams but so but at the same time it's like a very important thing when we look at the maths these things have to happen and um yeah fantastic that the entire welsh men's national team squad were all on board with it um that solidarity is really important when we're talking about these things like unions and play protection and that kind of thing um we're stronger in numbers so yeah really fantastic um news for wales and i also just learned a lot about how different national teams get paid apparently i don't know how many countries have a base salary but australia seems to be one of few that has a base salary for its national team players most national teams they get paid per game or in competitions i didn't know that learning so much anyway pay parity for wales how good one final how good from me it's a how good to the 12,508 people who rocked up to the cake tin on a Wednesday afternoon to watch the Ferns against the US women's national team 
we love to see it. A record crowd for the Ferns, a really good, you know, precursor to what's going to be happening in July and August. So we absolutely love to see people turning out and watching women's football. So good on you, uh, the people, the good people of Wellington for rocking up and watching the Ferns. I'm sure they would have preferred a better result, but we're not getting into that. That is us done for today. Remember, we are on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. We You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple and google all of the usual pod spots if you like what we do subscribe leave a review if you want to have a chat to us we are at the far post pod on all social media but until next time see ya.